Sometimes the best way to help someone is just to be near them. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks, and I'm your host, Ramia Amuthan. The quote that you heard at the start of the show is one by Veronica Roth, and it's a pretty simple one. It's from Divergent. I mean, the conversation is really around what makes company and why that company is important. I think that in a time where we are obviously fighting the epidemic of loneliness and isolation and depression and all kinds of mental health challenges that we do or don't talk about, um, and we're surrounded by everything, and that everything includes distractions, it includes company that may or may not be meaningful, but it 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 really does include so much noise the news, the heartbreaks, the kinds of difficult things that we face ourselves or we hear that others are facing, the physical world, our mental state, um, what feels big, what feels like every day. You know, it's all there and it can all be quite stressful. So in that motion, um, do we even know what makes us feel badly sometimes? I don't think so. But this quote describes this companionship, which I really love and I am learning to appreciate so much. This companionship of silent empathy, if you will, the quiet empathy, even if not silent, and leaning towards listening, listening to each other, listening to yourself, uh, you lending that listening ear or appreciating when that listening ear is lent to you I think that that's what brings me to this quote and though there are many quotes out there and many ways to describe this kind of companionship and empathy this one did it so well and so wonderfully so thank you Veronica Roth now, let's move to the CELA homepage and take a glance at that. This is the Center for Equitable Library Access. You can reach it at the website, celalibrary.ca. And there are three new feature titles up there. So let's go through them, please. The Winners by Frederick Backman. And this is a humorous fiction tale, they say. The Case of the Murderous Drive Cream by Dean Job, and this is a true crime novel. And the last one of the three featured titles are, or is, Our Missing Parts by Celeste Ng, and this is a multicultural fiction. I am very curious about this last one because I've read the Little Fires Everywhere novel by Celeste Ng, and I enjoyed it very much. So I'm thinking that there are lots of great new characters and new plots to be appreciated in this uh, second novel. It's apparently very highly anticipated, and I'm very curious if you get to check it out, what your thoughts are. There's a bit of an expectation, of course. If you enjoyed a book by an author and you're thinking oh my gosh, that book was incredible. And not only the book, but the actual TV show mate on the book was also incredible. Then there's that expectation of, 
well, I'm sure I'm going to love this. And Celeste Ng is relatively new, but in this book, she's exploring mm, a father-son relationship at the base of it, at the core of it. And it's um, also a bit of an adventure, a journey with the characters and where they go. Uh, some missing family members, some... Uh, solid, you know, avoiding of situations. I think there's a lot of um, government challenges with government, challenges with change, and all of these different things going on. So what Celeste Ng did very well in this first book, Little Fires Everywhere, was explore deep character thought and perspective and introduce biases that come from these characters and bring it back to the history and the why that would be based on things that they went through, actual experiences, uh, and connecting those things together very, very well. So I'm super curious about what she has planned for this one. We're also going to check in with Amir Khan, our audiobook worm, and he's going to tell us what he's been up to. A lot of reading, that's a given. But aside from that, we'll find out about an event that he went to and particularly enjoyed. This is AMI Audiobook Review, and it's time to get into audiobooks with Amir Khan. Amr is back, of course, near the end of the month. We check in with him on his reading list and how that's progressing. Amr, what are you reading right now? I was actually quite surprised this month when I looked at the list of books I've read um, because I'm over 100 books uh, for the year in October already. Um, and this is the first year I actually started to write down the, the books that I've actually read and, and some little notes about it. And it was inspired by some of the conversations you've had in the past on the audiobook review with regards to, you know, Goodreads and Audible having badges for number of books read. I've never been a, you know, a quantity sort of person in terms of, you know, oh, this is the amount of books I've read before. But I just wanted to start writing down the books I've read uh, more for Amr's Evening Book Club, uh, just so that if I came across something that was that was nice, I, I could reference back to it. Sila has a great feature where you can see all the books you've downloaded, but uh, it is a bit slow. So... Um, and of course, you can't make any notes. So uh, I started my own Excel spreadsheet. And yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised to see, uh, you know, the, the cell numbers at 109 or 110 <laughs> this month. So yeah. And some of those books are long. Some of those books are short. But um, yeah. Well, we know that we've been reading at least two books a month. Th those of us who've been good with the book club. And <laughs> so that on top of how many extra books to, to have hit over 109 or 10 books um, up until October. It's pretty impressive. Uh, would you say if you hadn't written them all, could you remember them? Like if we were to go through that list right now and say, do you remember what this was about, what that was about? Like, did you retain? Yeah, I, I think I'd retain it. But I mean, a, a lot of these are part of series too. So, um, you know, the Brighton series was like a set of seven. Uh, I've been continued with the Eve Dallas series by J.D. Robb. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, the Stephanie Plum series. So a lot of these books are multi, multi-series pieces. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd remember them. Um, some of them I'm trying to forget because not all the books I read I enjoyed. But yeah, I mean, it, it, when you start looking at it from a series perspective, you're like, oh yeah, I, I read like five different series this you know this year, and you know each of them had whatever X amount of books. 
Um, the L.T. Ryan series uh, or author uh, books I read um, before were very short, and you know there's like six of them. So um, sometimes the numbers don't always tell you the, the whole story, so to speak. But um, you know, and, and some of them were extremely long. Like uh, I think last month I was talking about Inheritance, which was 24 hours long. So I mean, <laughs> you know, some wow. of these books are monsters, right? Yeah, it's true. I'm sometimes I'm wondering if there's. Uh, more book reading hours that you've put in than actual hours in the day because it is quite wild how many books you've got, gotten through and it, like we've talked about different seasons feeling like different book times or just you know more or less reading and uh, keeping you know tabs on that um, but I'd say you were pretty active all through the the year did you did you feel that there was a time when you weren't reading as much focusing on tv or something yeah, I mean, spurts and things. I mean, you know, if you're an iPhone user, you get that sort of uh, by default, there's the screen time that you've used. So that that's a good indicator of, of how much or how little reading you've been doing. And it just depends on, on, on the week. I mean, some of us, you know, switch between Netflix and, and audiobooks. Um, you know, if you're going away for a week to somewhere else and you don't want to deal with your audiobook, you can definitely, you know, spend a week or two weeks apart without reading anything. Um, and sometimes you read a book that's really heavy and you just you just need a break, right? And you know, depending on how heavy the book was and how long it takes you to get over it, um, you know, that might be a week, might be a month. Do you use something to keep track of how much reading you've been doing or is it uh, no. just notepad type thing? Nope. I just use uh, an Excel spreadsheet and mm. just write down the title, the author. I have sort of four columns that I use in terms of, you know, um, what the standout quality of the book is, the writing quality and an overall score and then wow. just a little one for comments just so that I, you know, I have a little synopsis so I remember what the book is actually about. Yeah. In case we quiz you on the show or something like that. Um, it's, <laughs> it's nice. I like your method because there are a lot of different ways people keep tabs, uh, keep track, you know, whether you're just keeping your whole book list from the year, uh, your library on Audible or something. And then there's apps, right? And communities like Goodreads and so on. So um, yours is yours is quite like yeah, personal and to you. It's, it's also interesting to see how much you remember too. Like um, for, for me, I love recommending books to people, especially if I know them well. I can say, oh, if you're interested in that, then, you know, I read this book from a while ago and it's, you know, this one. But mm -hmm. uh, the more I looked at the list, the more I, I realized that a lot of books stay with me, even if it's been over a year. So I've right. caught myself trying to recommend a book and I'm looking through this year's list and I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't read it this year. I read it last year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's the brain fog of too much reading. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> well, it's brain fog and it's the other way around too because sometimes it feels like I just read it. It's, it's like, true. oh, okay. Well, yeah. no, it's been over a year, so. Yeah. It's funny how things like that work in your head, um, especially when you're talking series. Like, I don't know how long ago I read Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng, but it as soon as um, I saw this book, it, it just jogged it back. Like, it could have been last year. It could have been early this year. No clue. For all I know, it was three years ago, so. Interesting. So that's great. And congratulations on that for your book um, ramp up for the year, the book count. But before we get into the theme of today, what other books have made it to the 100 list for you? Well, uh, last month I talked about Karen Rose, um, who Sarah Patel is a big fan of, who's been on the show. And mm -hmm. after reading that first book, I couldn't put it down. I think I read seven of those to date now. Uh, so, and they're not small books. I mean, they're action packed, so you're never bored. But um, as I 
tell people when I'm recommending uh, this book, I mean, make sure you have enough time because these books are in general, you know, uh, in the 18 to 24 hour range. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, you need, you need to be committed to, to read them. But once you start, it's very hard to put down because Karen Rose is excellent at sort of keeping you guessing and, and keeping you in suspense for nearly the entire book. And when you finish it, you already start missing the characters and start picking up the next book. And, you know, it's one of those things where you, you really have to ask yourself, do I have the time to pick this book up or not? And then go from there. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely kind of already in it if you didn't check how many hours it was and then you've already committed, right? Yeah. And, and the story arcs are like that, too, in terms of, you know, in, in a lot of stories, standard length books of 10 hours or whatever, you can tell when things are winding down or, or when that story arc is sort of coming to a conclusion. Um, with her books, it's a lot harder to tell because there's usually a few different peaks and valleys. So it's, it's always uh, it's always interesting to see where, where she goes with it. Okay, well, that's interesting. And I mean, do you ever stop and then go back to the author because we know of other series you've read of like 27 books and such yeah and and she's got uh i think she's up to something like 20 or something books so um i have a, i think about three or four series which are ongoing right now the one that i haven't gone back to the most right now is probably the princess diaries uh, i've left that one sort of uh for quite a few months but we'll get back to it we have good faith <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe some winter exactly. reading, right? Exactly. Something cozy. Um, you brought this up last month, but we have a topic for today. Something that you took part in, like actual in-person activity to do with book reading. Absolutely. And it was something great to do in the fall, even though it was sort of raining. The Toronto Book Awards had an event at the Evergreen Brickworks uh, here in Toronto, which is sort of in Midtown. And it's a naturalistic space where they typically do farmers markets and uh, planters markets and there's there's paths uh, and walkways around there's a viaduct um, and the place has a lot of history too which uh, I'll get to in a bit but the event was was an interesting one because the morning was sort of dedicated to children so they had some authors reading children's books and a sing-along and some other things and the afternoon was more dedicated to adults with um, with a few lectures from authors as well as uh, author walks um, and other activities, uh, along with the soapbox uh, scientists and, and some other pieces. But what was interesting about this event uh, the most was it was very centered around environmentalism and, and being around nature. And I thought it was a perfect space for it. That's a nice point. Um, I, I wonder how much thought went into that. But you'll tell us because there was a lot of focus on the actual uh, place right like there were a lot of things but okay first of all let's not go too narrow right now uh in the bigger picture like what was available uh so available were author walks uh as well as author talks uh, and uh soapbox uh scientists um so i'll get to the soapbox scientists later maybe um but the i, I personally started off with um an, an author lecture by uh clayton thomas Mueller. And he's an indigenous okay. activist. Uh, he has a book uh, which is available in the Sila collection, uh, narrated by himself, called The City of Dirty Water. And the, his, his opening remarks were about an hour long, and he was amazing in terms of just mm. gliding from one topic to the other in terms of environmental topics, in terms of indigenous topics, uh, in terms of politics. Um, he read a bit from his book. 
there was a gentleman who asked him sort of panel discussions, uh, tight style questions. So it, it was really something that was that was worthwhile to, to start the, the day off with. And um, I look forward to picking up his book uh, in, in the SELA collection. Now, did he, the city of Dirty Water, um, do you have an idea of what it's about based on? It's a memoir. Um, so a lot of the topics he okay. covered in the lecture are, are covered from the book, but it's a lot about how he grew up um, and the sort of um, opposing views and values that, that certain people have um, as they grow up um, in terms of Western culture and materialism and some other sort of aspects which most of us are familiar with. Okay. Wow. That sounds like a really um, tonal way to start the the event, I think, at least. So what else did you have? So I'm going to talk about four authors, um, and I already talked about one. Um, the next author I, I was uh, named Tannis McDonald, and, and she writes books, and, and her walk was going to feature the viaduct um at the brickworks, but uh, like I said, it was a bit rainy that day. It was a fall rainy day, so it was a bit too dangerous to go down there. Um, so we sort of sat in a circle. So it felt very much like school when she read. She read a couple of passages from her book. Uh, she has a book. It is on Sila called Mobile, um, and and her takes on life are a little bit more interesting in terms of she takes things that are sort of more everyday, and writes about them in essay styles and poetry. Um, so her book basically talks about being female and walking around Toronto's rivers and lakes and, and those kinds of places, but from a female perspective. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is fictionalized with different people approaching her and talking to her and how she's feeling at the time. Um, so I found that was that was very fascinating. The other collection she has, which I don't think is on the Sila collection, was she was talking about moving to Toronto for the first time and falling and people laughing at her. So she actually took a look at examining why that is and essays with regards to um, the culture of falling and why we might or might not find it funny. Wow. Oh, my gosh. There's so much depth. And also the physical, um, I guess, not movement necessarily because you didn't get to walk around for this one, but uh, the the collective sitting around in a circle. I'm imagining bonfire. Was it anything like that? Not not, not quite. Not <laughs> quite. <laughs> Um, but it was it was very similar to a farmer's market sort of feel, but with books. I mean, auth there were authors that had their books and, you know, had their table set up so you could buy them and, you know, you could, they, they would sign them and you know, th that kind of thing. But a lot of authors were just happy to talk to you about different different things and, and then how they were doing it. Because, I mean, a lot of this was about the Toronto Book Awards. So it's, it's very much people were passionate about the city. Right, right. And the... In environmentalism bringing it back to the space the city i'm sure there's exactly yeah one of the first authors we met uh, had a little children's book oh. that was like uh, i believe it was called uh, where where does it all come from and it, it, it was basically a, a little book describing how the water cycle works in terms of you know the rain falling from the sky to how it gets processed through um water you know city uh, treatment mm -hmm. plants mm -hmm. um and and how it, that that whole that whole thing works so so who was the yeah. next author you engaged with? I didn't engage with this author, but she, she did have a walk, which uh, I didn't attend. Um, her name was Rebecca Campbell. Um, she's supposedly a sci-fi author. Uh, I did look her up on Sila, and from the books, I can't really tell if it's the same author. Some of the books sort of sound sci-fi, but they also sound very um, sort of feminist-leaning and, and different. 
Um, some of them have very serious titles. You know, I am a, uh, I love titles that are clever. Um, she has a book called Light is the New Black. Um, she also has a book called, uh, you'll have to help me out with this one, Ramya. Rise, Sister Rise, A Guide to Unleashing the Wise Wild Woman Within. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's quite the title. Um, I'd be interested to see what, what it's actually about. But um, yeah, moving on to the, the last author, um, Adam Bunch. Uh, this one I enjoyed the most because it was an actual author walk. He actually walked us around the entire Brickworks and um, described the history of the Brickworks, which I didn't know a lot of. Um, and it was fascinating to learn that, you know, the, the Brickworks, in addition to being a place where they literally made bricks and sold them in Toronto, um, that, you know, it also held archeological significance where they found fossils of, you know, uh, prehistoric animals, like, you know, uh, beavers the size of bears. and you can still see some of these things at the brickworks in, in uh, on display. So, um, you know, to the various, you know, sort of industrial history of, of Toronto in terms of, you know, people who wanted to make a railway or wanted to do this or wanted to do that and how the brickworks sort of went through that entire cycle along with the city. When you went to the uh, Toronto Book Awards, when you anticipated going to it, did you think there was going to be this much focus on the actual physical space and the understanding of it and the city and the bigger and smaller picture was all that kind of laid out in the programming or um, not really? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was any surprise. I mean, a lot of the author okay. walks had little descriptions in terms of what they were doing and and, and what they were talking about. Um, Adam Bunch also is the author of two books which are on the Sela collection, um, the Toronto Book of the Dead and the Toronto Book of Love. Uh, me being the more optimistic type person, I <laughs> picked up the second one. I haven't quite finished it, but it's an interesting collection. Um, yeah, Adam Bunch is, is rather talented at not boring you to death with, with history because he keeps the chapters very short and picks up a lot of the more fun details of, of what's going on. And the book is basically about the various families and, and how you know people came together um, uh, romantically or otherwise in terms of how they shaped Toronto from going all the way back to indigenous life in terms of how marriages worked for <clears throat> those early people which were around uh, the Toronto area um, to, you know, William Lyon Mackenzie, who a lot of us know in terms of a name, but his struggles for, for you know, trying to get democracy established in Toronto um, rather than a sort of aristocracy that, that was around. And, and there's so many little stories that that he tells uh, in this book, chapter by chapter. One of my favorites is um, about the Blackburns, who were uh, a husband and wife who, who were basically living in Kentucky at that time, and they were slaves in the South. And they said, decided to um, run away because they were on different plantations, and uh, that would have been difficult in terms of being together. So they decided to um, escape to Detroit. Uh, and Detroit, um, was a state which uh, didn't allow slavery, um, but you could still be sent back to um, states that still had that. Um, long story short, the people of Detroit actually um, rebelled against the, the government to uh, have these two released. Um, mm. One, <laughs> they, they did a switcheroo with the wife in jail, and then um, when the husband was, was being led out, uh, a riot basically ensued where he was... Um, let go. This all led to them actually fleeing to Canada. 
uh, and Toronto uh, specifically, where they were again arrested and the, the government at that time thought about sending them back to the US. Um, they eventually decided not to do that. And the Blackburns ended up establishing <clears throat> quite well here in, in Toronto in terms of um, they established the first taxi of the time, which was horse-drawn uh, with a yellow and red paint job. And uh, if you look closely at the TTC streetcars, um, that paint job is, is still in, in that, um, from, from that cap. So we have some, some great oh. history. And he does a great job of also pointing out artifacts and landmarks, which are still around today from, from the stories. Uh, the Blackburns also had a small church on, uh, called the Trinity Church, which is still on King Street, which you can visit. Um, and in general, they were, they were powerful in the community in terms of establishing um, the end of the Underground Railroad for other slaves who escaped from the U.S. and made it to Canada. So, um, yeah, lots of, lots of history, lots of powerful sort of, sort of stories. Um, and he doesn't shy away from non-traditional tales, too, in terms of, you know, LGBTQ or those types of things. He doesn't shy away from myths and rumors either. He'll let you know that this was a rumor, but it is an interesting one. So that's why he's telling you. <laughs> you can have a little fun with it. But, um, you know, he's not some of these, these dry sort of um, author tales. Um, he also runs other walks. So you can look him up online um, and, and conducts those types of walks around Toronto. This is absolutely fascinating. I mean, as you said, so much history and storytelling, but also how that comes back into present marks, right? The present, the marks that are still there from that history uh, and, and what a, um, a winding road to get there. Amr, we're going to wrap there, but thank you so much. This has been great. I'm so glad you went and you reviewed for us here on the show. Amir Khan joins us near the end of the month on AMI Audiobook Review, giving us uh, a bit of everything, including what he's reading, but also where he's been and what you can be reading. That's the end of this episode. And until we catch you back next week on the podcast, happy audiobook listening. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.